0: In the church calendar, not this particular church, but in the, the church calendar today is known as Transfiguration Sunday. And as Keith said to me, you, you don't have to follow my family ones that I'm doing on a Sunday morning, um, see what the Lord is placing on your heart. I felt it was right just to look at this uh, one this morning. A story that most Christians believe they know. Almost back to what I was saying earlier on, we all do the, the things we think we know. Many know the details of the story, but we don't always grasp the meaning. Luke shows us that Jesus reveals his glory. And this account is important, important to us. Because in it, Jesus shows us that he is God's son and that his words are true. Bible readings traditionally through Lent move swiftly from focusing on the humanity of Jesus, the temptations, to his divinity. We move from temptation to transfiguration. And when... Looking at this particular subject, we focus on the verses 28 to 36. But I went back to verse 18 in our reading this morning because these earlier verses are important in helping us to see the complete picture. We go from Jesus putting the disciples on the spot with a direct question. Who do you say that I am? And sometimes in our Christian life, it's easy for us to talk about others, about them. But we need to be ready for the challenge to ourselves. Where do you stand, Jesus, through his Holy Spirit, may be saying to us this morning. And we move on from there to Jesus predicting his death. This is the first time he predicts his death, so... The disciples are obviously a bit thrown, a bit on edge. And he says to them, some who are standing here will not taste death before they see the kingdom of God. And the gospel writers seem to have understood this promise of Jesus as referring to his transfiguration. Since in all the accounts in the gospels they go immediately from him telling them about his death, to the transfiguration event. One good thing about our journeying with Jesus over the past few weeks on a Thursday is that by working through the Bible in this way and journeying in this way, we see the whole picture. And I'm sure we can all say, those that have gathered here, oh yeah, we didn't realise that little bit of that story. Well, as I said, transfiguration, Migration is actually one of the events that we would cover in that journey. Uh, But uh, we couldn't cover all of them uh, on a Thursday. Well, Peter, James and John, still reeling from Jesus' news about his death, have been invited to go up to the mountain with Jesus. Now, Jesus often went up to a mountaintop to be with God and it was something was the sort of thing people did in those days, drawing away from the hustle and bustle of the world, Jesus went there to, to just reflect and, and be close to God there was nothing special about this but Jesus went there we will have, you will remember in the Old Testament that God appeared both to Moses and Elijah on a mountain and we all have tops, don't we? We all go to places occasionally to be set apart and be close to God. It may be a mountain, although you may have to go a little way to find that. In our case, it may be just a particular room, a particular place, the Ashdown Forest, a room in our home. When the church was open every day of the week, people used to come in and sit down to be quiet uh, as they went through the village. But as they went up the mountain, three of them, with Jesus, which was unusual, Jesus usually went alone, they witnessed glorious sights which could never have been imagined. I wonder what they really thought they were going to do when they went up the mountain. Was it for a quiet chat with Jesus? Perhaps a team-building exercise? Or a rest? But they see this marvellous sight and hear God's voice. The transfiguration reveals Christ's divine nature. God's voice exalted Jesus above Moses and Elijah. Moses represented the law, Elijah the prophets, and their appearance showed Jesus as the fulfilment of both the Old Testament law and the the prophetic promise. Jesus wasn't a reincarnation of Elijah or Moses. He was not merely one of the prophets. As God's only son, he far surpassed all of them in authority and power. Well, many will try to tell us how to live and how to know God personally, but it's important to realise that we must first listen to Scripture. So what were the four general aspects of this heavenly experience? Well, first of all, it was a reassurance. Jesus had just shot this twelve by, proceeding, uh, by predicting his suffering. And what a shock that must have been. Up to then, all was going well. They were all ready. They were all following Jesus. And then suddenly, it's going to be all over as far as they were concerned because Jesus was going to die. But now he gives these these people a glimpse of his glory in order to assure them that through suffering the Messiah would enter into his glory. So it was reassurance. It was also fulfilment. It is, of course, highly significant that Moses and Elijah appeared to them and, according to Luke, talked with Jesus about his departure. We're also told that they soon disappeared. And in addition, the heavenly voice addressed Jesus in a composite sentence of three Old Testament phrases. You are my son, from the Psalms, and words also used in his baptism. Whom I have chosen, Isaiah 42, the chosen one in whom I delight, we read there. And then listen to him. If you go back to Deuteronomy You will find those words there. You must listen to him. Jesus was acclaimed in all of his three offices of prophet, priest and king. It was also anticipation. Jesus commanded Peter, James and John not to tell anyone. Until after the resurrection. This wasn't to keep it a secret but recognition that nobody could actually understand Jesus' transfiguration until after his resurrection. This was because his transfigured body was in fact the resurrection body in anticipation. And I've got a fourth point here that John Stott says says is a little speculative, but it was temptation. You see, if Jesus' transfigured body was his resurrection body, presumably he could have stepped straight into glory at this point without needing to die on the cross. But he didn't. Once again, he resisted temptation and set his his heart and his, his eye on the cross. He deliberately came back to this life in order to die for our sins. You see, Jesus was focused on something entirely unselfish. He was focusing on the salvation of mankind, you and me. This meant leaving the glory of the mountaintop to return to the valley below, where there was still vital work to be done before the cross. And if you read on uh, in Luke, following the the moment when they come down from the mountain, there's all a big hubbub about someone whose son is... uh, He's sick and they're trying to pray for him and he, he has to, in a sense, sort out a problem immediately. Well, are we ready to go into the valley, leave the glory of the mountaintop, to return to the needy, to go into the world and take God's presence to wherever he wants us to work? Well, it's right to focus on Christ, to spend time in his Presence. But we always need to be ready to go from there into the world. Of course, there's one point on that story or that occasion that we've read. You see, we all Remember the transfiguration. We remember that Jesus was there, the disciples are with him. God speaks. What does God say? This is my son. Listen to him. And I think that's what we need to grab hold of this morning. God is saying to us, listen to Jesus, do you hear him? He wants you to listen and each one of us to understand.